0: So we bought that house with stairs, but it's, uh, anyway, Lawrence is doing real good, didn't, and uh, she's, uh, she's taking care of him, and Debbie just didn't feel 100% tonight, and so she just didn't feel, we just didn't feel like uh, bringing her, because if she, if she gets sideways in any way, there's nobody to haul her out or whatever to take care of her, so praise God. Well, let's just go through the Word. I, I got a good Word tonight, and I just can't wait to tell you all about it. It's, uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pamela. Hebrews chapter 4. Joy, I need you to amen every once in a while. I need you to pay attention. <laughs> this vacation, everybody's going on vacation. I, I'm, I'm like Elijah. I alone, Lord, am here. <laughs> Let them come, let them go, but I'm here, Lord, hallelujah, but I'm going to take my turn sometime, hallelujah. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 9, we've been talking about faith, and how about faith does three things. Faith knows, that's the main thing, faith knows. Everything is under that, but faith knows. And so anytime you don't know, you just need to know that you're somewhere, and probably somewhere good, but you may not be in faith, because faith knows. There's just a few things you may know, and you're in absolute faith, and I'll tell you, you'd move the mountain anywhere you're in faith, but uh, the test, or the, the uh, tipping point for faith is, do I know? Do I, would I, would, if, they, if they took a gun and said, you know, this is, you gotta, you gotta fess up, or let it go, and you'd say, well, I know. So, so out of that faith knows, we know that faith speaks. It's got a voice. It's got a, it's, it's definitely going to be talking. There's nobody that's in faith that's not talking about it, what they know. And then we've quite a bit studied about faith rests. Another test to see if you're in faith is are you resting? Or are you working on it all the time? I've worked on a lot of stuff that I thought I was in faith about, but then I looked back and I said, you know, I was working on that all the time, trying to tweak it and get it in, and I really wasn't in faith about it. And then lastly, faith makes plans. Faith doesn't wait and says, well, you know, when that happens, then, then, we'll, then we'll step out. Well, faith knows. It's done. It's almost like God looking back, how, only how God can look back and say, uh, or he can look forward and say, this is going to happen. Well, we know it's going to happen, so we make plans. So it says in verse 9, "...there remaineth therefore a rest..." So you've got to look at the therefore and see what he's talking about, but we won't. "...there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. "...for he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his." So he's talking about creation there. "...he that is entered into his rest..." He also has ceased from His own works. So it's done. It's settled. It's like the Lord Jesus. It is finished. He entered into a rest. There was nothing else to be done. There's, that's one thing that we have a, a, a trouble with is, is uh, God, when are you going to heal me? Or when are you going to finance me? He's not going to do anything. He's finished and He's in rest. And then He says in verse 11, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest or enter into that faith, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So, uh, and we, we looked at James, and it says a double-minded man. He's not in rest. He doesn't know. He's back and forth. And the Bible says he cannot receive anything from God. Now, my father-in-law, when, he was, uh, when I was just coming around a little bit, but way back in the day, he said one time to me something that just stuck with me. Uh, Because we were in a town like everybody's town. It had wealthy people and it had unwealthy people. And he said, you know, the wealthy will never tell you, I'm wealthy. He said, if anybody ever tells you, I'm rich. He said, you can just discount them. You just put an X by their name. Because when you're wealthy, it speaks on its own. And you don't have to convince somebody you got something. And I've, it stuck with me all this time. And so we could have to say that about faith. If you're in faith, you don't have to, you know, well, I'm just believing that, you know, God's going to do this. You know, there's a lot there. We're not discounted, but it's not faith. I'm just believing, you know, I, this is what I'm believing for. Well, it's, it's forming and it's, it's working, but it's not faith yet. You already have it. So we have to arrest what I call arrest the wanderer. It's this part in our mind that conflicts with faith, that argues, that disputes. We have to keep our mind stayed on God. Now, there's a lot of distraction out there. There's a lot of noise in this world. And if you're busy at all, and if you're working and taking care of your family and making plans and picking the tomatoes out of the garden or whatever you're doing, there's a lot of things that will keep you from keeping your mind fixed on God. But we cannot allow that. Can you all say amen? Amen. We just can't allow it. we got to arrest the wanderer because that will disrupt our life, and we can't have it. And improving that or an example of that would be people that were in faith that we read about like smith wigglesworth and john g lake and kenneth hagen the main attribute about their lives is they were mostly quiet people you know sometimes you get on tv and you get somebody that's fired up and hollering and yelling and and carrying on or i we've actually had people into this church that were really wound up and you, you just know they didn't have a rest in them. When you have an accident, say like out here, lots, lots of accidents on 69, and uh, everybody's jumping out of the car, cell phones, and, you know, are you okay and everything? But when the policeman, when, when uh, the highway patrol drives up out here, what does he do? Does he holler and yell? Is he panicked? He doesn't have a loved one in that car. He doesn't have anybody he knows. It's not going on. No, he steps up, and he's in full authority. If he barks, everybody backs down. Everybody goes to the place that he tells them. He's in authority, and he's calm. He knows what's going to happen. He's taking care of this situation. It's under control. So I've learned, and you probably have seen people like that, that people that, that say they're rich... Generally are not, they may be on their way, but they're trying to impress or they're trying to be included prematurely in the rich boy club. So they, you know, they're telling people, you know, I got this car and I got this airplane and everything like that. Well, they're not telling if it's borrowed against or if it's their brother-in-law's or whatever. Yeah, when you got stuff, you just, you just show up and everybody knows that man's got stuff. So it's the same thing with this uh, policeman. We don't have to wonder. You know, I wonder if he's one that's got authority. Do we have to obey him or do we have to pay attention to him? It's not because he gets out there and he says, now I told you for four times that we're going to do this, kind of like parents do, you know. If I have to tell you again, I'm going to take you to the back. Well, I've watched that play out and there's nobody, there's no kid that's ever gone to the back after the fourth time. And the policeman doesn't have to take anybody to task. He's in his uniform, but it's mostly his demeanor. He walks up and said, I am the man or the woman, I'm in charge. So that right there is who we are in the Spirit. When we go to healing room or anything else, when we have trouble at our home, somebody's sick, or when finances take a hit or whatever, emotions are off the table. You cannot win with emotions or a hyper-soulish approach. You have to reach down in here where the answer already is, and access it and live on that. It's very important because emotion does not heal. You can't cast out devils loud any better than you can soft. As a matter of fact, a lot of times when people get really wound up, they begin to identify with the physical side, like the devil's death or like I mean it. I really mean it. I double-dog dare you not to come out or to whatever, you know. And you just you get into a realm that's not faith. Whereas you just come up. Um, I've listened to Curry Blake a bunch, as y'all have. And he says, he just goes down the wheelchairs and just says, be free, be free. And he, as he gets three down, gets three down, this one pops up. He gets three more down, this one pops up. You just don't have to have long. Matter of fact, it seems to me, I've, I've been testing this, the longer you pray, the less you believe. Uh, it just it seems like it. So we have to arrest our mind when we're in a situation of faith and bypass that thing, almost cut it off, and go down in here where it's calm, rested, the answer is there, Everything's turning out amazing. Uh, This too shall pass. All those things are down here, but up here, it's like a letter from the IRS. Wonder what they want. Wonder who's going to jail. Wonder what, you know, or whatever. Your head will just tell you all of it, and it does. Because the devil's working on our head all the time. So we are God's policemen in the world. We're the only ones that, Christians I mean, that have this access down here, like the highway patrol that just steps up and said, now who's in this car and who's in this car? And, and says, you call the ambulance, and just starts making sense of it. It isn't just training. It's an authority that is asserted and everything works out. There's not confusion and humdrum. Um, how do you approach sickness or finances or a brother-in-law that's trying to get the inheritance, or whatever life throws at us. Everybody knows that you've got to have peace before the situation comes. You cannot put on peace. You cannot put on that thing that comes from down here after the situation has already got emotional. You all know how kin folks are. I've been to several of Debbie's reunions back in the day, and her family would make my family we we are we're afraid of those kind of people when we yell at somebody which is never in our family we keep it under the rug we keep it down here we talk about it behind everybody's back it seems but we never say anything out publicly it's it is everybody's just shocked if anybody was says you know i just don't i just don't believe that you're doing right that's never happened but in debbie's family they're hollering and yelling and i used to go visit her folks before we were married and listen, I was gathering up the trash when her aunts came in because I was going to the trash and staying outside. It took me two hours to deliver the trash because these people, it was hard on my little sensitive emotions, because we did not tell people what we thought in my family. And they were saying, You are just full of you are just full of bananas. You're just full of this and you know, and what makes you think you can say that? And and I'm just like, I've never heard or been around that. This it was more. So we're talking about faith that rests. And remember Smith Wigglesworth. Remember what he always said. They would attack him. Uh, remember when he kicked the baby. Uh, remember when there was a man on a stretcher. Uh, the story about the stretcher. And uh, the, the man looked dead. He was all. He was comatose. He was. He was nothing. There was alive. And Smith came up to him. Because this is what Smith does. Did and he would he punched him in the stomach. And the man. He was an elderly man, and he just erupted, and then he went lifeless. And so his doctor was there, and Smith turned around and started going up the line, going, you know, just just did that and said, be healed or whatever, and went up the line. And his doctor who was there, they'd come kind of as a last-ditch thing because Smith was in the meeting. He starts chasing after Smith Wigglesworth. The family's going to sue you. You're going to jail. You'll never minister again. You are a fraud. You are a fake. And Smith only would turn around a little bit and say this. Y'all remember him saying this? I know my job. Didn't holler, didn't fuss, didn't everything. And the doctor's just, you know, yelling at him and carrying on until the old man that he'd hit with his gown open in the back and everything, you know, those hospital gowns, He's up there trying to get to Smith and he goes past the doctor, you know, which totally made everything. He said, I know my job and we ought to know our job. Our job is not emotion. There's plenty of that out there. It's not uh, reactive to the situation, the physical situation. It is just the devil versus the word. And we just get in there and shift things that have gone the devil's way. We shift them back with our faith. That's our job. And it's not hard when we get our job, but when we start entering into confrontations with personalities or situations or symptoms or how did it happen and who is this and what did they say, we lose it, don't we? we got to go in there and say, none of that matters. I'm going to fix this now in the name of Jesus. We've got to be kingdom-minded. I'm reminded that uh, in the Old Testament, they couldn't hear from God unless God actually spoke to them, like, you know, spoke to them. So when when they became like Elijah, Elisha, these guys became so kingdom-minded that, uh, for instance, when the, uh, the son of the prophets, they were having a meeting, they were out chopping down uh, wood, and uh, remember the axe head fell off and went into the river, and, uh, and he said, alas, master, it was borrowed. And the prophet uh, whittled on a stick and threw it in, and the Bible says the iron did swim. Did God tell the prophet, whittle on a stick and throw the stick in? No. It was just whatever came up in his heart to fix it. Don't you just love people that when you say, hey, we got a problem, and they don't just sit there and go, man, that's hard, that's tough. They just said, okay. And they're problem solvers, and they just go fix it. And they don't come back in 30 minutes and says, well, it's hard, and you know, I don't have enough tools, and I'm tired, and it's hot. They just go fix it. That's how the kingdom is. Somebody comes in with cancer, we don't pay any more attention to that than, than a kid that comes in and says, my tummy hurts. We just go fix it. And we don't analyze this is hard, and it's is it terminal? Is it st- what does the doctor say? What does where is it at? We don't analyze all that. We just go in there and take the power and life of God, minister it, and fix it. Now that's what happens when we are resting in the word and resting in faith. First Corinthians, you slip into 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You know. This is gonna. This this may shock y'all. It's. uh, I'm learning it. I'm. uh, I'm digesting it myself. But really, uh, people think they have cancer, but actually, truly, from what the Lord Jesus did and what Paul taught, people just have a life deficiency. Because you know, we 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 marvel at John G. Lake who held the bloody froth that was teeming with uh, the black plague or bubonic, whatever it was, bad stuff, killing people, and it died in his hands. And, and he said, it's the life of God in me. The other day, David H- Hogan, Debbie was listening to him, and said that he listens, he listens or reads 50 chapters out of the Bible every day. He just infuses himself with life. And I'm endeavoring to not maybe know more doctrine, but just to get more life in. Pray in the Holy Ghost and get more word in. And so people that have cancer, it's not like, I know we do this, and I don't know, we're gonna, we may change it. But actually it's just an absence of life. And, and so do we need a cure for cancer? No, we need to know how to transmit life. If we knew how to transmit life, wouldn't take a lot of words because words are kind of rationales. They're kind of a reasoning side. We just release the life of God. If you knew how to release the life of God in somebody that didn't even believe, maybe someone that, that believed not, they weren't even neutral, they're like, no. Where you could do that, then the life in you would take the form of whatever they needed. If they had TB, it wouldn't be, well, you know, I'm going to pray for a cure for TB, we just would release life and the life would take care of the TB or the Cerebral palsy, or whatever's there, it would just take care of it. You wouldn't have to go into a big, big dissertation about what is it, how long has it been there, what does the doctor say, has it moved to other organs, is it, you know, what can you do with it. You just say life and transmit that life. Now, wouldn't that make ministering easy? But you'd have to tank up all the time. Behind the scenes, you'd have to just tank up life in, life in. The Word, the Word, the Word. You'd have to listen. You know, Rambo's coming on. Oh, I want to watch Rambo. No, we're going to watch David Hogan, or Curry Blake, or Andrew Womack. We're going to put life in. We're going to listen to the Word. We're going to go through John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we're going to go through these. We're just going to put it in and fill up. Like, you know, when the commode, when you work on commodes, you work on that float. And you watch the tank fill up. It's a crude thing, but I mean, it's it's amazing. And when the float gets to the top, it shuts off the water. It's full. I think our floats are on the bottom sometimes. I mean, in the body. I'm not talking about us. I'm just talking about in the bodies. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, look what it says. It says, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. I want to look there where it says the power of God. So if you've got Christ, you've got the power of God. So like we talked about Sunday, we need to ramp up or build up our faith. we got the measure of faith. we got to ramp it up by exercising it and faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing about the power of God. Jesus is the power of God. So it really doesn't matter what methods we use. Well, I'm going to lay hands on them, or I'm we're going to take communion, or we're going to anoint them with oil, or we're going to send a prayer cloth. You've got to have some power in those hands. There's got to be power in that communion. That prayer cloth, you can't just, you know, cut out a piece of a sheet and and everybody just, you know... Zero in is zero out. you got to have a transmission of some kind that says, at this moment, two people laid their hands on this cloth and zapping and crackling and carrying on. And we put it in an envelope and it sizzled a little bit and we sent it out. And when they got it and put it on their body, they were transformed. Now that would be like, well, why is that? That would be power power i 'm wanting this power i 'm wanting to be more of him and less of me, less of the emotions less of the the whatever so to do that we 've got to get in faith and, and faith rests. Faith has a confidence about, for instance, just instance cancer it 's one of the meanest words in the whole language the english language it 's just the sky I read stats from it Sunday just incidentally to show how that spirit of fear, how it can be piqued and, 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 uh, and lifted up by just going over, how this many people will die from cancer this year in Alabama, this, that, and the other. But on the other hand, when you have a confidence, cancer will bow to Jesus. And the power of Christ in me is Jesus, as he is so I, I in the world. I will I will minister to you that life and cancer will be swept out of the way. We'll just, we'll just go in there and sweep Jesus through your life, whoever's sick, and whatever's in there. Could be other things that are in there. Well, gosh, I had acne and I had, I had a skin thing under my, you know, and I had this, that, and the other and it was just all taken out. It wouldn't be just a grocery list that we checked off. It'd be the life going in and changing people. Now, if you don't, if we can't get around that, we're just going to be singing, bringing in the sheaves and having nice sermons and, and going to the house. This is who I believe that we are and, uh, and what we got to do. Uh, one thing we have to do, and this, I wish there was 300 tonight because we, we are always calling for 300. I'm, we, we show up ready for 300. And so uh, I believe if you show up for 300... But from our side, 300's coming. I am, I am sure of it as I can be. I am, I am not even flinching on that. First uh, Kings chapter 18. I want to show you all something in the Old Testament. And, it, and boy, when we go to Kings, we're, we're going way back. First Kings 18. So all ministry, all ministry, everything, even to get people born again, depends on this one axiom, that God is faithful. We're always working, whether we do it deliberately or subtly, we are working from the Word to, to put in us a foundation that God is faithful. That if He said it, He will back it up. The fear of Him not backing it up and embarrassing us and bringing us to shame is so profuse and so big in our minds, it is a weapon, it's a wedge between us and the power of God. Believing that we'll get out there with somebody and tell them God said and God will, and I'm going to lay hands on you and it will happen. And being left to hang is just debilitating to almost all Christians. And there's lots of Christians that have worldwide ministries that went lots of times. I read about one the other day that he said he laid hands on 700 people and nothing happened. But on 701, every one of them's happened since then. So it wasn't God. It wasn't the need. It was in him. And just things that we're talking about tonight can change your perspective. You can just change it just a little bit, just three degrees, and go, I got that now. Because it's, it's not that we don't have power. It's how we apply ourselves and our expectation. See, if you're not sure that God's going to do it, then God's not sure He can do it. Because everything's going to go through our soul going through that person. If it went straight from heaven, it was it was a lightning bolt ministry where you just say, okay, God, over there in the corner, you'd go. not didn't, didn't go through me. It wasn't anything there that... Got messed up because of me, but it comes through us and then goes out and there's <laughs> there's things in us that can mess that transmission up and part of it is what we believe y'all know we got to change us it's not like well we we prayed for some folks and they didn't get healed what's what what's wrong with them nothing it's all us it's all me everyone should get healed so We have to labor to stay in rest. We have to labor to not get into works, which means to raise your voice into, you know, someone that just didn't get healed. So you you lay hold of them and you shake them a little bit. You lay hands on them in a better way. (laughs) You know, like, I said be healed. You feel better? I said be healed. You know, and so you lean towards getting in the natural, the physical realm, when none of it is. Even the anointing with oil is almost all for the receiver's benefit. When they see you anoint them with oil, there's an adjustment in their faith and they go, it's happening right now. And the Word says that we can work with that. So, here we are. Here we are. If we want God to do a job, we ha- ought to have a confidence that he can do it. And if we don't have a confidence that God can do the job, but we think the do- that the doctor can do the job, guess what we should do? We ought to go to the doctor. Because you're going to be mad at God, and God didn't do anything, and, you're go- you're, you-, and you just ought to... But what we do is we, there's a kind of a parlance where we have this form of duty where we get prayer, but we already have a 2 o'clock appointment on Tuesday. And I'm not saying that here about us, but I'm just saying this is kind of the mindset out there. It's like I'm making an appointment, but I'm going to get him to pray for me Sunday. You just know you better keep that appointment. You better keep that 2 o'clock clear because you're going to need to be in that office. And you go, it can't be that way. God wouldn't do that. It's not God. It's all in us, how we release our faith and how we rest. 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, What I wrote down here, if it's God's job, then give it to him and rest. But if you don't think it's God's job to heal you every time of everything in every instance, then you ought to go to the doctor. I'm telling you we've been this, this year, and I didn't know there could be that many tests. I didn't know there was that many diagnostic things that you could approach it. But they were, they were bird-dogging it, they were hounding it, and they were going to find it. And, uh, and we, we didn't know why they was carting her off to this you know, MRI and this X-ray and this uh, whatever, this lab. But they were working it down to get to the end of it, to, to narrow it down to the end. So, once you submit to that, I'm telling you, you're in that system. It's hard to get out. Chapter 18, verse 1, let me just, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, you know Ahab hated Elijah so bad. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house, and Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So he's playing both sides, isn't he? He's in Ahab's house, and Ahab's killing the prophets of God, but he's hiding them. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land unto all the fountains of water and unto all brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts, because there's a big famine. And uh, so they divided the land between the pass through it. Ahab went one way by himself. Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the new was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face and said. Art thou my Lord Elijah? And he answered, saying, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, this is funny, verse 9. Yeah, right, Elijah. What, have I so sinned that thou wouldest deliver me into the hand of Ahab? In other words, you, yeah, if I go tell him that I saw you and don't bring you, it's over for me. And in uh, verse 10, As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom, whether my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. So Ahab's been after him, and when he, they said he's not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation, and they found thee not. And now thou sayest, this is rhetorical, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Now here's his explanation. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the Spirit of the Lord shall gather thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me, but I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. What do you all think about that? You think that Elijah had a reputation for being able to be translated, that he'd be in one place? And they'd say, he's over there, and the whole army would come, and then Elijah would just disappear. He got that reputation. You don't get a reputation for doing stuff just once. And so Obadiah said, right, I'm going to go tell him that you're here, and you're going to pull one of those sneakies where you just disappear, and Obadiah, and Ahab's going to be so frustrated, he's going to, he's going to turn around to me, and I'm, I'm done, I'm biscuits. And verse 13, was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. He's asking him, are you sure you know who I am? I'm on your side. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So he gave his word, and I, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, "Art thou he that troubleth Israel?" And he answered, "I have not troubled Israel, but thou, and thy father's house in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed by them." Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. Eight hundred and fifty prophets. So Ahab sent all the children of, sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long... Halt ye between two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Elijah threw down the gauntlet here. He said uh, unto the people, I, even I alone, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. So they agreed to it. Notice here that Elijah, who has been the fugitive... Under the king Ahab, a great king, had all power, all authority. Elijah steps up to Ahab and says, this is how we're going to do it. Now he's a fugitive. Right there, Ahab could have taken him out, you know, in a natural sense. But Elijah steps up with that calm authority, like the policeman, and said, here's how we're going to do it. Ahab, not being in faith, not knowing any direction, said, whatever you say, that's what we'll do. The king said to the fugitive, we'll do it your way. Now this is a picture of the devil and his host and a picture of you and I and the power of God in us. We may be fugitives, we may be the the outside boy, but all authority is in us. And we can set the agenda for everything. And he said, uh, verse 25, Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, dress it, ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us, but there was no voice. Now listen to the emotion nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he's pursuing. That word pursuing there is a euphemism for going to the bathroom. The the word actually means he's on, he said, he's he's busy, he's on the toilet. Or he's in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be wakened. And they cried out and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Now the point of this whole long passage is this is the picture of the church right now. Is that uh, not knowing, not having a confidence in the limits and the desires of God himself to heal, to produce miracles to come through in the clutch, to to make up when we're like at the end of it, but we don't flinch. But the regular church, it's like, okay, we prayed and we put it on our little prayer board, but nothing happened. So we're going to come back and do it a different way. And we're going to get the prayer chain out. And we're going to... Uh, what? What else do people do? I don't want to mock Christians, but I'm... I don't mind mocking sacred cows that, that are just like, that's what we do. That's what, there's no basis for it, but it's what we do. The church just gets frantic. Well, and I've talked to many people that says, yes, I've got a need. Got had a phone call on the answer machine this morning at the church, and somebody that I think I know who it is called and just said, y'all pray. They don't even live in Tuscaloosa. Y'all, they've been here years ago. Y'all pray. Uh, it's 3.27 in the morning is when they called. I did not answer, but it was on the machine. And they said, y'all pray for our marriage, and we need work. We're not working, and our family, there's eight grandkids, and, uh, and I need y'all to pray. I, I know this woman, I'm telling you. She's, she's been around a long time. She's been here. And it's like, really? This is how you're going to get answers is just leave it on the answer machine of a church that you barely know. It's just indicative of how the church jumps up on the altar and cuts themselves or anything else they think. They'll they'll fast. You all know people that fast to try to get God to change something. They're they're not interested in changing themselves. They're they're trying to move God. um, A number of things, just like this. But look at the man of God. Verse 27, uh, tw- excuse me, uh, 29. And it came to pass when midday was past. So all morning long, they prophesied until the time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, and there was either, neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes, and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seeds. And he put the wood in order, cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do it again, do it a third time, and they did it the third time. In verse 35, the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Now, y'all, our main, we're, we're talking about getting miracles into our life. We're talking about getting to a place where we have a confidence that what God said is what he will do, and he will do it for me. It's not enough to say God can do it for Oral Roberts, for Billy Graham, for Kenneth Hagin, but would he do it for me? We've we got to stand there and sit I'm blood-bought. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Check, check, check. Consider it done. Did the sun come up this morning? Well, of course it did. Then he will do it for me. we got to have, we gotta, We got to jump that chasm where we cannot be disqualified. We might, we might not, we may have other issues, personal issues, but it wouldn't be because God said, I'm looking at you and it's not that grand. I'm going to pass on, because if I do something good for you, you're going to think you're okay, and I know you're not okay, and I don't want to validate that. Isn't that what people think? That God God doesn't want to validate where I am. He's going to wait till I'm perfect, then he's going to give me the gold star. But I'm not perfect today, so I'm not even asking. The only thing people will do is they'll say, God, I know I hadn't been much, and I know I hadn't been doing right, but I promised to do better but could you give me just a little help? So they'll ask a little based on a little. And what it does is it, it uh, degradates the blood of Jesus. The blood is what it took to buy us. That's all required. And so it took all the blood. So it wasn't just a little work. The blood produced a full and a perfect work. Let's see where I am. I don't even know where I am here. Um... Let me stop right there. Just go to Romans. Just slip over to Romans. We'll stop right there for a second. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 6. I want to do everything I can to get us in a position where we can get people healed every time the first time. We're not haughty. We're not boastful. We're not proud like Look what we can do, you know, we're we're something special, we're better than any other church, or better than any other people. We just want to do the works of the kingdom. I just want to get this done before he comes back and it's too late. And so I work on it all the time, just like I know. We, you know, he's like, what do we do? Well, I pray in the Holy Ghost, we can do that, and I can read the Word. Until he brings something, that's what you can do is keep life stirred up. It says in Romans 10, verse... Uh, Verse 6, I believe. Um, He says, uh, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. This is how faith speaks. Say not, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or say not who will descend into deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the.'" The dead. So he's telling us that, that faith, the righteousness of faith, does not say, you know, God didn't answer our prayer. We need to go to plan B. We, could, we, could we pray somebody down out of heaven? Could we pray Elijah down out of heaven? And that might help us. Or could we pray somebody up from the deep? In other words, God didn't answer. We better do something else. There's no rest in that. How many times have all of us, all of us, got to the place where an unanswered prayer, seemingly, seemingly, because we factor in time, that we said, well, wonder who I need to forgive. Well, I wonder where I missed it. Oh, I missed it. Y'all, I remember I missed it. I did repent of that, and I did tell the Lord, I know I missed it, but, but maybe that's still out there. How many times do we do this very thing in Romans that says, say not, faith says not, what else can we do? And we leave our station of rest that says, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Him. I have prayed in faith. I know that I know, and it's settled, it's done, and I'm resting and we'll sit down. Who is that Christian that you know? That is us. We are moving towards that, where we say, I'm confident. I got it. I did mess up, but I repented of it. So I'm as clean as if I never sinned. It goes on there in verse uh, 8. It says, But what saith it? Here's what faith is going to say. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth... And in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, and then it goes on to verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we just go back to confessing Jesus is Lord. Not just to get born again, but we say, Lord Jesus. Not me, but you. It's all you. And none of me. But I want to be used by you, and you want to use me. So, Lord, show me. Show me. But I am confident that to this point, this thing's going down. I'm laying hands on the sick, and they are recovering. This financial need, I am a tither. I am a bona fide tither. This thing cannot fail. I'm a covenant man. It cannot fail. Did the sun come up? It did. Then the, t- then, then the covenant is in force. It cannot fail. See, we've got we to gotta erase all that double-mindedness that keeps us from resting and having a confidence that says, it's mine. Now, here's the factor. Let's see if I can go there yet. I've got to go there. Um, um, if you read it, I won't go there, but in John 11, where the Bible says the Lord Jesus came because the two sisters said that their brother had died, Lazarus was dead. And the Bible says that, uh, I think I wrote it down. No. It says that uh, Jesus groaned. Y'all remember that? Where it says he groaned, and then four verses later, oh, it's hard not to go there. Let me just uh, pull that out, John 11. Just the groaning part. Um. They said, if you'd have been here, our brother would have lived. Um, Verse 32. And so they went on and on. Verse 33 says, uh, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came came with her, he groaned in the spirit. Then if you go down in verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. Now, here's what was going on, and this is what goes on with us. Y'all, do you all ever groan? Oh, the other day I thought of something I did. I'm so embarrassed, I'm, I would never mention it to anybody. I can hardly even put my thoughts on it. And I've repented of it more than once. And just, it, wasn't, it wasn't sin, it was just that I did something stupid. I said something that was so out of place and just foot in mouth, and it just embarrassed me to the bone. And I just, when I think about it, I groan. I went, oh, when I remember that. I don't know if y'all do that, but we, Debbie and I sometimes, you know, when you speak, you, you get opportunities to say things and it doesn't come out right. So we groan. Here's what Jesus was doing. Jesus, since he was in a flesh body, dealt with the temptation to not just rest because they were, they were pulling on him. Jesus, if you'd have been here, and they were trying to make him feel bad for not being here, because he knew about it in time, but he delayed three days. And he groaned in the Spirit with the temptation that we all face uh, to do something versus staying in rest. And what did he do? What did the Lord Jesus do? He said, Lazarus, come forth. I heard somebody say one time that if he hadn't used Lazarus' name, that all the people in the tombs where he was would have all come out if he had just said come forth they would have all come forth but he said Lazarus come forth and he stayed in that rest so that his faith would work in um uh, did y'all did y'all close first kings in in chapter 19 let me just read you this is after 18 now y'all know the story this the, how this went down that uh that they they, they killed all the prophets of Baal. But in chapter 19, where, where Elijah has spurned Ahab, whooped his whole kingdom, and Jezebel hears about it, and she is exceedingly wicked. And you would think that Elijah had just taken everybody out. He was there. But time is our enemy. I want to tell you all, time is the enemy of faith. Time is an element of the emotions. What is it? It's impatient. I want it now. Or, I prayed this two months ago. That's enough time. And we begin to put a time element on it. When in fact, in chapter 19, let me read this. It's so good. Ahab told Jezebel, so bad king Ahab told bad queen Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, here's what she said, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life, as one of those of them by tomorrow about this time. Uh, And when he saw that, the threat, he arose and went for his life. Superman... Ran into kryptonite. He, he was strong for 450 prophets, but a woman just sends the threat I'm taking you out like them. Well, they, they could have already taken him out. They outnumbered him. He was just one man that day. But he com- completely commanded everybody, even though he's just one man. They wanted him dead, they couldn't kill him. And Jezebel, because of time, took him out. She said, this time tomorrow, I will have your head. I will, I will kill you. And the, it shook him up. We have been shook up, every one of us, in our faith, by something somebody said or a report or a diagnosis by somebody that's strong. Let me tell you all about Carter. Carter, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, he's at his house. Chris and Colin are in... North, uh, North Birmingham at a ball game with Caitlin. Carter had called his mother saying, I got up to go to the bathroom and mm, mm, I, I, I passed out. He fell in the floor and his heart was hurting so bad. Chris calls me and says, you got to do something. So I went and got him, prayed for him and took him down here to Med Center. Well, they couldn't do anything with him. And uh, what they said uh, to him was, I uh, forget what the point of this testimony was. Oh, they told him all sorts of things. They told, they told us he's this and he's that. Well, they did a urine sample, and they said, there it is, right there. He's, he's been on drugs. We got, the, we got the sample to prove it. It devastated everybody. Carter said, I didn't do it. I didn't take any drugs. And the doctor said, son, that's what they all say. It was a misdiagnosis. Went to DCH, they ran another test. He's clean. No drugs in his system, nothing. But it broke his heart that everybody believed the doctors instead of him. The point about that being is, is we got to be grounded in our heart. I believed him. I, I've got me an ally, a 17-year-old ally right now because I believed him. And so we, gotta, we are going to stand and fall based on what we believe. I've kept you all too long. But I, we are on a journey, and the journey is not to be famous. The journey is not to have uh, a credibility. Our journey is to get full of the life of God, however it is. We're going to have strong messages in church. We're going, to have, uh, uh, we're going to tackle things that seem insurmountable. People are going to come in and say, I've got this and I've got that, and we're not going to flinch. We're not going to flinch. We're going to say, we can do that. We can do that. In Him, we can do that. And the Lord is going to back us. And it's going to be the thrill of your life. Now let me tell you, I know and you know lots of Christians that go to, have gone to church all their life and done all the right things. They've given and served and attended, and their lives are no more fulfilled, much more than the, than, the, than the person that got saved at the last minute. I want a life where there's the supernatural and the glory of God on earth as it is in heaven. I believe it's our destiny and I believe that we can. Uh, we're just we're just stepping every time. We're just stepping right up to that, and we're stepping over into that. It's it's happening, and I just so appreciate y'all making it happen. Amen. So, well, um, Joey's got an envelope, so and I've got one. So I'm gonna we're gonna give tonight. Praise God. So we're just gonna stay on the word. We're gonna stay on the word, the supernatural, the, the life of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your grace on our lives tonight. What a marvelous thing to be in covenant with you. And there is no fear in our lives. We banish fear and doubt. And we, we, we flee. We move away from unbelief and everything that causes it. Lord, I thank you for a blessed life. And as you open the door to the kingdom to us, Lord, we will walk in as victors and more than conquerors. We release our seed tonight with a confidence that you will never leave us or forsake us and that you do supply all of our need. We will never be as those that have lack or need or shortage. You've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. I thank you for a steady, a sure supply. Even in times of lack and famine all around us, Lord Goshen will shine bright. And we give you praise tonight for the privilege of the blood of Jesus being in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joy. Are you okay, Pam? Okay, I was going to pray for you if you're not okay. Okay, well, let's just, let's just put some life on you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We lose life, life, life for this situation, this problem, this challenge, Lord, this, this assault against the child of God, the woman of God. And we say, go in Jesus' name. And we loose we the ability, the Zoe life of God into her head, into her body. And we call her to be amended, call her to be made whole, healed. This situation, if it's electrical, we tell you chemically to settle down tell you to come into order in Jesus' name and stop it. Stop this pain. Stop this attack. Stop it in Jesus' name. Lord, I give you praise and give you glory for healing Pamela Gann tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Everybody else good? Anybody? All right. All right. Well, thank you all so much. Y'all made it happen tonight, and I'm very grateful. And I say, Barry, Melissa, come home. (laughs) Lawrence and Kathleen, come home.